the Ten Commandments. It's the story of what happened after the children of Israel got the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to try and tie up to what we have today. We're going to be reading from Exodus chapter number 22. We're going to be reading from verse 21 to 27. And I know it's long. Amen. Okay. So I'd like you to follow with me. You have your Bibles here or your tablets, you know, and I'm going to read. You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not harm or oppress any widow or fatherless child. You shall harm, if you harm or oppress them in any way, and they cry at all to me for help. I will most certainly hear them cry, and my wrath shall be kindled and burned. I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of one of my people with you who is poor, you shall not act as a creditor, professional money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your poor neighbor's room in pledge, you shall return it to him before sunset. For that is his holy covering. It is his cloth for his body. In what shall he sleep? And when he cries to me for help, I will hear him. For I am compassionate and gracious. Amen. Somebody say, For he is compassionate and gracious. Social responsibility basically like was defined it's about you caring about more than yourself. About us caring about more than ourselves. There's an Indian proverb that talks about a man planting a tree. It says, Blessed is that man that plants a tree under whose shade he will never sit. In the corporate circle, there's what we call the CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. In the Review Christian Church of God, we call it CSR, but we mean Christian Social Responsibility. In the corporate circle, it looks as if what we call social responsibility today starts in the corporate circle. And what it does is, uh, companies set up legalese, set up guidelines and policies to guide how they give back to society. The idea is that you are making so much money from this society, how do you give back part of that profit? And in return for this, the government will give you tax breaks, will cut you some slack, will overlook some things. Why? Why can't the government just collect this money and spend it doing this thing? It would astonish you that this principle started from the Bible. Giving back did not start with corporate circles today. He said from the very beginning, there are 2,000 plus mentions in the Bible of either children of Israel or modern day Christians being of help or assistance to the poor or the unequal. I'm going to loosely use the word poor to mean more than just lacking financial uh, power. Sometimes 
the poor in spirit. Sometimes the poor in health. Sometimes the fatherless, the orphans, the widows, people that lack help. And I, I wouldn't bore you with the details of how the church has grown from the time of Christ till date. But I'm going to touch on some things, some, some fallacies that maybe you have, you've heard online, even from the likes of Daddy Freeze. You know, I'm say a lot of things, you know. And, and it's very interesting when you listen to it out of the two scriptures. So if you go back a bit to the time of uh, Christ, but before Christ, I want to touch on the issue of tithing just a little bit. We are not talking about tithing today, and I'll tell you why I'm going there. You know, when, when you go back a bit, you don't argue that there was tithing from Leviticus. From, from the old Old Testament days, and anybody will tell you that today um, tithing has been abolished because Jesus Christ did not collect tithes. Okay, good. And I, I, I understand. Jesus Christ never had an organized setting like this that he called a synagogue or a church. But even at that, if you if you study scriptures very well, um, when Judas was going to betray Jesus, there's a particular scripture there when Judas was going to walk out that the Bible describes. What Jesus said as he should go, but the people there reinterpreted it as maybe he meant he should go and do what he normally does, which included giving money to the poor. So Jesus gave money to the poor. He had a treasure. Hello? And I know that he pulled money out of the mouth of fishes, but that was not recorded constantly in scriptures. And if you are not sure about it, what will guide you? Is what happened right after Jesus left and um, the anointing came down and we started having organized church like it was today. You start to notice um, the apostles talk about giving, talk about selling all you have, bringing it. In fact, the scripture says there was none lacking amongst them. So, what happened was not that tithing was abolished, it was that people stopped giving 10% and started giving everything. Hello? It was that 10% was in the world, now you give everything. I know it's interesting as a modern day Christian uh, with the Holy Spirit, as a child of faith, that we even find it difficult to be to exercise faith in God. If I give everything, what will I have left? And so we are starting to even give 10%. Hello? Social responsibility is about giving back. Giving back starts from yourself, your time. Your resources, your love. There cannot be love that is not preceded by giving. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave. And there's another scripture that says, We love him because he first loved us. So if he loved us and he gave his son, and you're saying you love him back, what do you give? Give yourself. You give yourself. Give yourself. You give your time. <clears throat> Play, praise the Lord. Can I get some water, please? Talking about um, legality 
and um, ethics. And while we're talking about it, we talked a lot about what I call the civic responsibility. And I'm not going to dwell much on that because we've covered most of that. Pay your, pay your taxes. Um, cleaning your environment. A lot of that sometimes fall in the uh, ambience of civic responsibility, uh, especially when it comes to legality. You see, social responsibility is a bit less legal. It's more moral. It's more a bit more of morality. And that's why it's a bit more difficult. Can I ask a question? If you are in here and you've ever volunteered for anything, you've volunteered once in your life, either to go uh, join an NGO feeding people, to go sweep the streets, let me see your hands. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask one of you. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask you, my brother. What's your name? Yes, please. Come in. Obina. So, uh, give me one example of that kind of opportunity that you had that helped you uh, volunteer. Can we give him a mic or something? Okay, so um, when I was in school, we had this um, volunteer program that we really have um, in Actos. And um, we basically go out to help people around our communities and do um, one or two. And the biggest project we had was like a kick out malaria project where we went out to like install mosquito nets and other things in their homes and clean their environments, clean the gutters, clean uh, their streets, right, to make everywhere clean and proper for mosquitoes to be able to be um, multiplying in their environment. So that was what we carried out. Praise the Lord. Please put your hands together for me. I want to ask you one question. Robina, were you forced to do that? No. Were you paid to do that? No. Were you going to be arrested for not doing it? No. Definitely not. Amen. You see, civic responsibilities like um, paying your taxes, those are, those are, if you don't do it, you'll get into trouble sooner or later. Maybe when you jump out. I am not used to it. You now get to a place where you can't get away with it. You know? Where you pay 40% of your entire income as taxes and you are looking at that. Why? You know? Uh, you may not even jump and you'll be here. And that day you want to, you know, I remember one story of, um, I'm not sure, I think I told the last time I was here, when uh, Total Nigeria was going to endorse us as their official media partner. You know? And we had scaled through all the stages, all the stages, at the very last stage, they were so impressed. I done the interviews and they were like, oh, wonderful. Uh, so what you guys need right now is to go get a DPR uh, clearance, something like that. And then you guys are official media partners. Oh, by the way, we'll need your previous uh, tax clearance. And we'll need it by tomorrow. And we didn't have it. And there and then they dropped us. <laughs> I like to tell that story because a lot of you think that because you register your business, so they can, it's not about catching you. There are opportunities out there that you never catch a hold of if you don't get used to and do your responsibilities. However, social responsibilities go a lot, it's a lot more Christianly. Nobody would arrest you for not doing some of these things. Of the 2,000 scriptures in the Bible that talks about helping the poor, the needy, or the unequal, I'm going to read a few of them to you. Now, I want us to, to read this together. I don't know, I don't know if the media will be fast enough, 
going to try and go through them because they're quite a lot. I, I wrote about 10 of them and then we're not going to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm going to start from Acts chapter 4, verse 34. If you cannot read them, you just follow me, okay? Just listen very well. Acts chapter 4, verse 34. That there were no needy person amongst them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 29. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. 1 John chapter 3, 17 and 18. If anyone has material possessions, and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Ezekiah 16, verse 49. Now, this was the scene of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Proverbs 22, verse 9. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Should I go on? I can go on and on in scriptures. Over 2,000 scriptures. 2,000. It is the foundation of what we are doing here today. What we call church. It is the true religion. It's in the Bible. Being able to give back. You ask me, I don't have. How can I give back? You know, there's this, um, uh, I'm sure most of you have heard it, uh, this story about a rich man that came to church and was praying on the altar. You know, he had a sick child and he needed healing for that child. While he was praying, there was a poor man right by him. He was just scabashing like the poor, like a lazoire. He was just, you know, and he was stopping this rich man. At some point, he said, oh, God, wait now. Look, what's the problem? He said, oh, there's this 50,000 that I need right now. It was, oh, wait, wait, wait. Come back to the town and give me. Your prayers answered. Come on, you can go. Amen. Amen. You are someone's answer to prayers. You, you think you don't have. Sometimes it may be a word of advice. It may be a kind word. It may be that loving hand. The other day I was driving on um, Ozumba Madime. And at, at 11 p.m., a boy came to me to beg for out. You know, and you know, these things we get, we are so used to at the same time. Sometimes we are so used to violence. God help us in this country. You see so much that we, you just sit and just, you just speak, you just swipe. When you sit on the side and you swipe, somebody born in you swipe. Sometimes you see so many poor people that you are so used to poverty, it doesn't mean anything. And I saw a child, child could have been six, seven years old, and I was waiting for hours. I, I was coming from, we had a, I was coming from the second. 
And I'm tired of going to sleep. I like, I just, I did not tell him, you know what you do now when you're dropping down, you see me knocking down, you just like, I'm not seeing them, you know? And, and I go, and you know, I cross traffic like the Holy Spirit knocked me hard and asked me one question. When you were his age, what were you doing at this time? And I looked at the time, 11 p.m., our family is sound asleep, snoring, inside the AC. Okay, we had no ACs there, but very good fan. I just said, I'm good like that. You'll be snoring in one nice bed, bed waiting. You know? Amen? Amen. I was benefiting when I was 11. <laughs> I, thank, I thank my mom for, for making sure I didn't have a complex for this. You know, and it just occurred to me, I wish I was there at 11 p.m. And in my head, I was thinking, they always use these children to, to make money. That the mother is probably richer than you. Then I told myself, is the lack of money what you call poverty, or the fact that this person even thinks to do this to raise money. There are people that actually have more money than you, but because of what they are doing, they are actually poorer than you. They are poor in spirit. Those people need you today to reach out. It's about analyzing. Why does God love the poor so much? If he loves the poor so much, why can't he make them rich? Can I answer a question? Who can answer that? Obviously, God loves, he, he, he cherishes the poor. But why can't he just make them rich? Can someone attempt to answer that question? Anyone? Oh, yes, please. Can, can I have a mic, please? Just. Please put your hands together for her. <laughs> Alright. Let's have it. Um, can, can someone put on the mic? I think there's a part in life that says you always have the poor with you. And there's also a part in life that says blessed are the poor in heart. For I think they will inherit heaven. They'll see God. Praise the Lord. Please put your hands together for us. You know, okay, I know I was going to be disappointed in this church. He's a, they are Bible students here. I'm actually trying to find that scripture because you said you think. I don't think I know. The Bible says there will always be the poor amongst us. But let me find that scripture. I want to read the second part of it. In the second part, it has a why. Um, can the media find it for me quickly? Find it before me. Okay, I think I found it. Deuteronomy 15, uh, verse 11. The Bible says, There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open handed towards your brothers and towards the poor and needy in your land. The fact that you look around you and you see many people that don't have, it means you always have an opportunity. To be a blessing. You see, God can make them rich through you. There's nothing God does with man here today that is devoid of the use of another man. I mean, He had to bring His Son as a man to be able to save us. There's nothing. There's nothing you want to pray about today. You want healing. God will will inspire a medical doctor somewhere 
with some divine knowledge. You want, uh, you are in trouble, you want freedom, God will lay hands on one lawyer somewhere with some divine revelation that can get you out of that hole. That's why I laugh when I see people that say, okay, it's fitness to go to, um, to the hospital. Of course, if, by all means, if you have the faith for divine healing, by all means, but if you are sick, please find a Bible believing doctor and seek counsel. Amen? If the police is harassing you, find a Bible believing lawyer to defend you. Don't say, Jesus is the advocate. He will defend me. The help of the helpless. Find a brother who has been from law school and let that brother be the tool that God will use to get you out of that situation. Amen. Bible says there will always be the poor amongst us. And as long as there are poor people amongst us, not just poor financially, sometimes emotionally, it means we have a duty of care to short people. That is the essence of church. That is the essence of church. And you know, during the Bible study, um, my sister was speaking about morality. And she said something very profound. And I'm, I'm going to go there. She said, uh, morality does not mean you're heaven bound. I don't know how she put it, but that's actually what I got from it. And I 100% agree with her. 100%. Morality does not guarantee your passage to heaven. However, you see, there are some fruits that you can see in unbelievers that you're wondering how do they get those fruits. It can happen. Sometimes you enter the bush. When we were in uh, secondary school in the north, we, we had wild berries. We see wild berries just going to the bush. And then you see these wild berries, they're so sweet and delicious. You know, wild berries, they had tongue with them and had wheat with them. But imagine if you go into an orchard and you don't see any fruits inside. Is that not weird? It's quite normal for you to go into the bush sometimes and see one purple that is just growing amongst you. You will see the plenty of the purple will grow. But if I go into a plantation, there's supposed to be a maize plantation. I should see maize. You see, those things you're talking about are fruits that Christians should have. So even if you have the fruits, and I'm not sure you're a Christian, the other side is if you don't have the fruits, I'm sure you're not a Christian. Amen? If the fruits don't show, it shows me you are not, it shows us you are not a Christian. There are three levels when we talk about the word salvation. There's that salvation that happens in the instance you give your life to Christ. That salvation is from condemnation of sin. It's scriptural. God has redeemed you from the cause of sin. Right there and there, I give my life to Jesus. Say the confession. The second one is a journey. That first one is justification. The second one is a journey. In that journey, if you involve your growing, you're eating milk, from milk to eating meat to strong bone, that's what we call the walk with God sanctification. You know? That is being saved from the power of sin. And it's a process. Little, little sins that easily beset us. You surmount them. You get challenges, bigger challenges. That's what the Bible says. It will never let you face a temptation that is bigger than you to handle. That is a journey. And then the third part of it is what we call glorification. And the part when you are free from the presence of sin, at that point you are raptured or you are dead. At that point, you are raptured and dead. You see, when, when you hear people tell you that one saved forever saved, 
they think that that salvation might instant is all you need as a passport to get to glorification. There's a journey in between. The Bible says in Job, can we, can we look at Job chapter 8? Job chapter 8, verse 10. Job chapter 8, verse 10. This was when Job was in travail. Was in travail. Trying to quickly open my, my Bible here. Okay. So can we have it? Can we have it? Good. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Job chapter 8, verse 20. Sorry. Let's go to verse 20. Can we do this together? One, two, go. Look. God does not reject a person of integrity and will not support evil doers. Can we read it again? God does not reject a person of integrity and he does not support evil doers. In another version of scripture, it says God has never condemned a good person. Are you a good person? Like, you don't get it. God can never reject a good person. Like, if you're a good person, from your heart, God cannot reject you. It's the So, one good works will not be your passport to heaven. A lot of times, God can save a man just because he has a good heart. I'm not even talking right now about um, having a renewed man. You know, when you're Christian, some of us are very wicked. Amen. Naturally. Just very wicked, you thank God for Christ, you know. So, after being born again, we start getting regenerated, you know. But there are some words that just naturally, in terms of character, you just have well, not a good heart, you know. I can see when you see kids, if you've been with children before, see, children that don't do anything, you know, 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 good deeds, you very good. If you remember that um, centurion, you know, there were some people in the scriptures that found salvation after they showed kindness. You see the Bible talk about the Samaritan and all those things. You see in scriptures where a prophet goes and says he needs food and the woman says, oh, I have none. Uh, the only thing I have, I just want to eat and die. And he says, go and bring it nonetheless. And the woman who is not born again, by the way, goes to bring it, and because of that, she finds salvation. She, she finds supply for three more years of family. Amen. Am I making sense? So don't let anybody discountenance good deeds. Good deeds will not get you to heaven. But there are some of us that are already on the wrong trajectory that God will look at some of the good things, the good heart you have, to even now show you that salvation. Salvation is a gift. You can't find it. It finds you. Forget about the person that preached to you. He was not the one that saved you. Amen. You know, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, uh, yeah, you're not the one. It, it finds you. If you are here, you're not here by chance. If you are here today and you're not saved, it's not by chance. It's not the boss that brought you here that saved you. Salvation is a gift and it comes to you. Now, after being saved, what's the expectation of us believers? There was a video I wanted to play. I'm not sure. Can we still add that video? Let's just add that video. Okay. Just two minute video. Let's look at it.
you only see one person buy private jets. You know? But if you know how many school fees pastors pay, if you know how many transport fees they pay, how many of school bills they pay, you'll be in shock. Now, this is beyond just pastors. This, this is something that Christ encourages us to do as Christians. Sometimes it's just a 500 naira you have on you. You are somebody's answer to prayers. You want your own prayers answer. That money, that millions you want, is in somebody's account. He's sitting down there nothing. doing nothing. But somebody's prayer is in your own pocket too, doing nothing. And sometimes, you see, I asked a question from Robina the other time because I wanted to bring out something. Apart from us having this individual responsibility to our community, and these things entail giving back, not just financially, sometimes environmental cleanup. I remember when I moved into one street in Shirley way back then. I just moved from Aja and I moved to Matuki. I didn't know that it was a terrible street there. And you know, everything was flooded. I go there with mosquitoes everywhere. I didn't understand it. And then, I mean, my wife was pregnant, you know. I could say that was a selfish reason because I felt the pregnant woman, there's so much mosquitoes, what's going on? And I think I found this, all the contacts with the entire street were just blocked. And nobody was, and they were driving big cars. So I called those Aboki. I said, What would it cost to pay this brother? I was afraid. I was thinking maybe they'll tell me 50,000. And then he said, Oga, which was your house? Or I said, No, the entire street, from the entire street, from beginning to the end. They said, Ah, Oga, you go do it, you go pay. I said, Yes. I said, Because that you go pay, you have 5,000 on the job. How did you have 5,000? They went to college, about 20 of them. It was not about the money for them anymore. Because they lived there also. They were the guys selling water on the street. And they kept, and landlords, big big men, big big cars came out with their big big summer. And they were like, ah, eh, who is doing all this one? I said, look at the government channel. There are a lot of things you can do in our communities that you don't have to wait for the government to do. And when my wife asked me, I was like, I don't know, I didn't know this. Like, just, it became a regular thing. Till I left that street, it became a regular thing. I won't wait. I don't wait for government. I called the advocates. They were like, guys, every four, four months, three months, let's, let's clean this thing up. We'll clean it up. You know, and I was amazed what one person could do in that respect. I've seen people replicate this over and over again. In your schools, when we were in um, university, I remember one of the fights I had, not fights that way, but arguments we had at the school, was the school authority gave us these auditoriums to use for free. We're not paying a dime. But these auditoriums looked haggard, terrible. And I put in my head, how much would paint cost? Tell each brother to bring a bucket of paint. One Saturday, let's paint this entire place. As soon as I maybe the school authority knows. But people do not agree. No, why? Why should we do that? Uh, are we not paying school fees? Should the school not maintain it? Someone will collect the contract. Until one day, a VC came that did not notice that again. Amen. And said, no more Christian activities inside campus. Everybody out. That was how many years ago now? That was 27 years ago. We are still building chapel uh, outside still today. Along the road, contributing money to help them finish chapel. When you do that, giving back. So when you give back, when you give value, there's what we call the nuisance value. Where with neighbors, you can have actually a nuisance value or natural value. Nuisance value when you don't add anything to the community. Then you look at it, you don't add anything to the church. The ones that are in the unit, they say they want to contribute something. You are always the one that is not contributing. As Christians, this is a big no-no. Amen? Amen. 
wherever you are, wherever you are as a, in a community, we're young people here. You know, we talk about uh, get your PVC. By the way, who has not got this PVC? <laughs> yeah. Let me. I brought one for Hoko into my car. <laughs> so please, uh, your your votes count. So let me tell you, votes will not count. They lie. They count. But beyond that, are you with me? Beyond that, there's a story beyond that. You know, if you ask anybody here now, I can answer things already changed. You ask myself that. How do we pick between the devil and the people? See, I understand. Yeah, I understand. But a lot of people got involved in this politics at this stage. This old way I'm talking about. Many of them got in at this stage. How many, how many people sitting here understand that in your way of living there's a war? You see, unfortunately, most of us educated people are disinformed and least politically aware. How many of us know here that if you're a part-time member of a political party and you're going for world meetings regularly, you will have a say who will become the delegate. You can even become a delegate. You see, when you look at the population of Christians all over the world and even in Nigeria, we can make real change. If we can actually talk about some things that we shy away from. I know we tell ourselves that the is not a place for saying some of these things, so we try to talk on it. You know, all oh, talk about money, talk about giving. You know, don't say too much about the whole thing. Pastor is pastor doesn't need your money. Thank God you redeem. We have pastors that are working. Praise Lord. But a lot of times, some of these things require a bit of sacrifice. Yeah, the essence of us, God is your time. God is your money. Because some things need to be done without resources. In this church today, Pastor can say, okay, one weekend we are going to clean up the entire environment here. And now we do that in my church. We call it, um, we take rubbish. I sell the tickets, we take rubbish. And one day we went to that community and we were cleaning gutters, Pastor joined us, we cleaned and everything. And the next Sunday, you know who came to the church? The entire community, the chairman. Chairman of the who's an imam. He came, not just, he came for the entire service. Sometimes he has never seen that kind of thing in Yama before. Some of those things, when you give back, it speaks louder. And I go to where I said from as I close. You see, in Exodus, that's the story we read. When you read about the commandments that God gave us, they were not for him, they were for us. Right? Thou shalt not steal. If you love him, will you steal? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet. And then when you go further to the application of these commandments, it keeps hammering on taking care of the needy, taking care of the poor. Today, we are not under the Mosaic law anymore. We are under a bigger ordinance, which is law of love. If as child, children of God, we actually live under that dominance of love in our life, believe me, after what we talk about in church, we will need to talk about it. If you love the sister next to you, if she needs and you have, you will naturally provide. Amen. So when we come to church and we say, He will surely provide, you know, that provision by the grace of God is the abundance of what has blessed us here with. Amen. It's from the abundance of what has blessed us here with. And also in scriptures, I remember there's, there's a scripture I'm trying to um, find in here in my head now that talks about the fact that there are people that are blessed. Because the kingdom needs the resource. 
if you if you go back to where most of building temple and they ask them to bring what they had, gold and everything, the Bible records that they had so much that they did they had more than they needed. It, it didn't start from when Jesus came. He said from there, they bring it, bring it, and they have more than enough. Um, unfortunately, some of them took that and made an idol of it. I pray that that resource that God has given to you. You will make an idol out of it in the mighty name of Jesus. That resource you have in your, it may be your gift, your talents, that you're supposed to use in this place. I pray that you don't become an idol in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that you don't have dependency on it as your, your salvation in the mighty name of Jesus. In closing, I want us to, today, it's like evangelism. You know, you go out, you can evangelize. You can also wait for when church wants to be evangelism and join. And I want you, there's always an avenue. And God, I was talking about that evangelism. There's always an avenue for you to do that. Look around you. If you're too shy, you know, if you volunteer your time, your resources, when they talk about giving in church, the money you give in church, my brother and my sister, pastor, when you leave, Pastor does not take them into one place and burn them as incense to everyone. No. No. By the time you look at the things that the organized church gets involved in day by day, you need to understand that without those resources, a lot of things cannot happen. You can wish, you can watch that on the TV and, and feel nice about it. You know? But a lot of things will not happen if don't bring your time, your energy, your ideas, and your resources to bear. And I know as we as we listen to this message today, God will touch us, He will teach us, and above all, He will bless us. Nobody gives from the place of love. You give from the abundance of what you have in you. You cannot give what you don't have. And as you make up your mind to give more, not just to church, to the people around you that need. God that sees the hidden things of our hearts will bless you with your pleasure in the mighty name of Jesus. God will bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's rise up on our feet. I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads and talk to God. This morning, we heard the word of God. Lord, bless me. Lord, give me grace to give back of the abundance of what you give to me. In obedience to your word as the ultimate giver that came to this life to give your one and only son to die for the remission of my sins. Lord, help me today to see me to be the change that's required in my immediate community, in my larger community, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's have our seats. Um, I have two minutes. Um, I want to use those two minutes to just answer one or two questions if you have it. Um,
Tell me the question.
God's got you. I remember a few years ago they called me and said, Oh, my wife was pregnant, she was not. There's one demon in the house going around. And I like to pray. And my wife just said, She had a word from God and said, No, God that can reveal it can send whatever it is out. And so don't live in fear. You know, we don't we do not inherit the spirit of fear. So that's that's the down. If you feel the need to do good, just do it. Just do it. Let them take the money to wherever they want to take it to. Just be prayerfully if you feel the need to do it. And if the Holy says, Hold on, hold on. Amen. Any other question, please? Yes, yes, the bank is. I've just two more minutes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before, already, you don't know it. As a student, I 
I was going to Lagos and somehow I didn't know the bus broke down. We had to wait for a while. While we were waiting, we didn't know that people were pocket. So I was at Ore. The bus did not continue. The driver had to wait. And I was just there. If not, if I, if I calculate how many things I've been starting in my life, you will ask me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we call all these things help. You see, there's a need for us to be spiritually sensitive to the moment when we have occasions like that. Remember what I said that you are not the one protecting yourself. You see, the devil that wants to get you does not need to collect money from you to get you if he has the ability to get you. The devil that wants to kill you does not need your underwear if he has the power to really kill you. When you are under the covering, the Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him that I trust. The shield shall look when you are under cover. There's a place you just laugh about. If you are truly under cover, being under cover is not so much about how much you pray, it's about surrender. That's why if you are here today and you're not giving your life to Christ, ah, ah, it's the biggest cover you can have. So, in your ignorance, when you do things, that cover is that insurance works for you. You're insured. So you, you are aware of your ignorance. You are aware that you see, not everybody that is in church is of the church. Even inside church, they call church mixed multitude. It's like a hospital. When you get to a hospital, you see sick people. You see healthy people. You see some people that are about to live. Even some doctors are sick. Amen. Are you with me? That's why you see sometimes you find out. But well, the thing is a pastor. Yes. Doctors are sick too sometimes. Some doctors are children. It's right inside church. The, the, if you ask, the easiest place to catch infection is inside hospital. That lady you see. Some that has tuberculosis. Has come here in the morning, has come from this and has touched the babies. Don't think that because you're even in church, you can't find that diabolical. But when you're undercover, when you're insured, you worry less about some things. Worry more about your connection with the source. The Bible says the, the light that flows through the vine will flow through the branches. Whatever it is, anybody sent poison will wash it out in the mighty name of Jesus. Of course, it doesn't mean you should live carelessly, but that's the truth about that. It's almost mama. If I see the mama, in fact, sometimes they tell me that the mama is diabolical. That's why I am not taking money. I will not scabash on it and use the money as a point of contact and give it to her. You know, when the Bible talks about when somebody, uh, you, are, you are doing good to somebody and the person is uh, paying you back with evil, there's like an evil hot code. The Bible says you should not do good. You may say, ah, because of that, I don't do good. No, somebody do it. It's like an evil hot code. There's some money that when the kite when you want to use to do whatever, if you, if you even give some other people to you know, when you are a point of contact, when you are anointed, then it's just. Amen. So what do you see do it? It's not because the person are giving it to. It's legitimate. Sometimes the person is God. Sometimes it's to show that person that there's a power. There is bigger than whatever power it is you think you carry. Amen. One last question. And then I can go and have my seat. Okay, the one written down. Oh. If voting is a sweet duty, 
what you have to say about someone that says is not partisan to politics. Praise the Lord. Alright, so I'm not going to answer this question as uh, a pastor. I'm going to answer it a bit logically. A bit logically. You see, election is not about just the presidency. It's not just about the gubernatorial election. There's the House of Assembly. There's the House of Reps. You cannot participate in any of these elections if you don't have a PDC or a voter's card or you're not registered to vote. If you tell me that in the entire election process, you don't see anything good to pick from it, then it becomes a difficult situation for you. Because whether you like it or not, the person that will emerge will make laws that will be binding on you. So there's that saying that um, evil prevails when good people sit and do nothing. So, what the devil wants you to believe is that your vote means nothing. Being non-partisan means you don't participate in the electoral process from the elective end. You are not the one on the ballot. Being non-partisan does not mean you don't vote. Go and check very well. Being non-partisan, being apolitical can mean you don't care about politics. But whether you like it or not, you are involved in politics. You are involved. If I say that you don't like breathing, but you will breathe, won't you? You will breathe. You see, because not selecting is also a selection. Not voting, you've already made a choice. Because that minus is going to be a plus for somebody else. If I, if I call three people out now, here, and I say that if I can have vote for the three people. The person with the highest vote wins one millionaire and they come out. You know? And then you all vote and the vote is split. And one person here refused to vote. That person not voting has decided. You didn't vote. You will abstain. But your abstinence still brought an outcome. So you are still part of the process. Because you have the right to do it. You chose to abstain, which there's nothing wrong with you. Sometimes I've been to the ballot box sometimes and I saw the names and I was not convinced. I just left it and I'm like, okay, the I just. But I know that I'm voting. Don't deceive yourself that you are political or you are not person. I know that by not selecting is a process. I'm allowing others to select for me because I am not sure. And I went to the state assembly and I voted. You see, being totally removed from the process entirely is what is most dangerous. And so I'd like to encourage you to try and be part of it. You see, it may not be how you want it to be today, but you see, there's something about prayer and faith. Faith without works in there. I remember that story of um, a church that was praying for for rain. You know, they were praying that, oh, it will rain. It's not rain for a while. You know, and they said, okay, they'll call the prayer meeting, and they keep on prayer meeting. And only one small guy came with umbrella. Amen? Even pastor did not come umbrella. That's not your show. Faith. So faith is about saying it will get good. Don't wait for it to get good. Don't see the evidence before you get involved. Get involved. Understand how it works. How many of you watch the APC thing on TV? How many of you watched it or you heard about it? You know, when I was watching it, I was confused. I was wondering, why are people voting? 
on that point. I said, ask, yeah, I said, ask the person, okay, you call them daily they're sharing money, okay, how do you get? So they said educating me. So part of getting educated is about, even if you don't like the people that are there now, at least they're about, you see, when you know about it, you will realize how much power you would have if you are involved. But if you run away from it, ignorance can kill. Praise the name of the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you very much.